Navigating the Datascape with Warner Chavez and special guests. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Datascape podcast. I have today with me from all the way of New Zealand. I am here in Ontario, Canada, and they are Shar French, our Miriam Varvasovsky. I love that last name. It really rolls off the tongue really well. And they are going to talk with me today about managing high-performance IT teams. Very, very experienced ladies in this particular topic. First, Shara, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Hi, everyone. I'm Shara, um, Microsoft Data Platform Team Manager with Pythian for about 10 years. Um, 10 years? It's been that long. Holy moly. Yeah. Sorry. Well, I start, started off as a um, database consultant for about six months. And then I believe it was you and Greg convinced me to be a team manager. So thanks nice. for that. What a, what a great mentors you've had. All right. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you um, been in IT before that, before you came to Pythian and shortly after? Oh, uh, only about two years. A couple of years. All right. Yeah. And um, um, let's cut it here. We'll do the the, the, the rest of the story in a sec, because I want to introduce Miriam as well, because you guys have a little bit of history together, too. Go ahead, Miriam. Miriam is one of my mentors. <laughs> so I'm Miriam. I'm also based in New Zealand, and I've been a manager at Pythian uh, for the last six years. Um, I started off with Pythian 10 years ago as well, two weeks after Shara, or maybe even three. Um, uh, luckily, Shara actually got my CV delivered to Pythian, and the rest is history. Um, I manage an amazing team of Oracle DBAs, even though I started as a SQL Server DBA. So yeah, okay. so Shara and I do have some history. Um, I've actually started training Shara in the beginning of her IT career. So yep. I've been in IT for coming up 20 years. I'm oh, old. I see. <laughs> I think, okay, okay. I think I was, yeah. um, I think I was six months out of uni when I got my first SQL Server DBA job. Um, and Miriam was my manager, and she trained me like from the mm. ground up. So, do you think yeah. do you think that you got uh, any sort of managerial style that you picked up from Miriam, or do you think at this point you created your own style? Um, do you know what? I probably did pick up some from Miriam because the Miriam we know today was not the Miriam I oh, knew yeah? back then. Okay. Yeah, Mir Miriam's much nicer now than she used to be. Okay, okay. Oh. <laughs> so, and, and Miriam, when you were Shares Manager, how long had you been managing people at that point? At that point, I was actually just a technical team lead, but I'm um, a very organized. Well, it's still like a supervisor team. role, right? Yeah, she was. Yeah, it is indeed, yeah. So, yeah, I have a very, like, um, what do they call it, a judging personality that okay. sounds terrible but it means that they like lists and spreadsheets galore and definitely shara has um picked up that habit because for about a year i was actually in her team and she was my manager which was very different and that's how so i learned weird. to assert myself oh, wait, wait, wait. Um, so when you came to pythian the roles were reversed no, just a few uh, to um i managed to move into shara's team as her well the become um an acting team manager because uh ah, the team manager okay. role when it came up here in new zealand i wasn't ready for because of private uh, personal reasons so she took the only um job available in apac that i aspired to be and that's actually why i had to cross the floor and become an oracle team manager the oracle okay do you think my way. 
talking about this bit, for example, about, you know, you perform trying to, to manage uh, IT teams that, you know, have to operate under pressure. In the case of Pythian, obviously, we do 24-7 managed services, follow the sun, etc. Do you find that do you need how much do you need to understand the underlying technology, if at all? Or is it mostly a people problem to try to squeeze the productivity and the talent out of out of your staff? So for me, because I crossed technologies, I think the key thing was what made me successful, um, even though there was doubt, was the fact that I knew database. It was irrelevant okay. um, what it was. I know enough about um, networks, operating systems, and te um, the tech. Uh, but the key thing is a database is a database. Um, the languages, the words might be slightly different, um, but you do need to have a bit of an understanding, if nothing else. Um, you need to understand a DBA and what they need. Um, if you don't understand that, um, you may not provide them the support that they require. And how about you, Cher? Because you stayed with SQL Server since the beginning and you're still managing. Yeah. SQL Server. Yeah. Do you find that over the years you've learned less of SQL Server because you focus more on management or you've learned more because you're like surrounded by it or you think it doesn't make a difference? Um, I always used to joke that as the years went by, um, as a team manager, I felt like I was getting dumber and dumber. <laughs> okay. But but I actually, um, because I'm constantly, you know, talking with the team about projects and I'm keeping on top of tickets I still feel like the core understanding is there it's just the new technology that sits on top of the old technology that I'm not you know 100% up with but I know enough of it to still be able to cover all my meetings and discuss with clients and and things like that and you know that's why I have an LDC he's you know the the one-stop shop technical guy so if I need more in-depth technical knowledge on a call he just steps in so great. to answer your question i don't know how someone from a non-technical background could come in and be the manager of a technical team i don't know how they would do it because i 100 like percent non-technical you mean yeah yeah, yeah. like right. someone who have to know a little know, bit of the basics yeah exactly because you know i hear of people from different departments non-technical departments like hr or um uh, you know, project managers and things like that wanting to apply for team manager roles. And, you know, good for them if they're confident enough to do it, but I would be afraid for them. <laughs> All right. So so oh, you, do believe, so you yeah. do believe that, you know, part of managing, uh, again, the high-performance IT team is that you have to at least be able to talk the fundamentals and core concepts with your staff in a manner that they know that you understand what they're talking about. Yeah, I um, I get some team managers don't attend their client status calls and they have team members attend. But honestly, when I do that, I feel like I start getting out of the loop with what's going on with my clients. And I just don't know how you can succeed with managing your team and your clients when you're just you're not involved in all the day to day stuff. Absolutely. And the thing is, from from my perspective, I've learned a lot of Oracle, even though I couldn't sit beside behind a machine and actually mm -hmm. do the work. I can um, talk the talk, walk the walk. I can fake it till I make it sort of thing. Um, and in time, you actually um, you gain the respect of client um, and your LDC and your IPCs, because you, for me, I don't I'm not tempted to cross the boundary. I'm not tempted to tell them how to do their job mm -hmm. um 
I have to have a hundred percent faith in them and they know that and as such they step up um so that I can st- sit in a chair and be absolutely confident on a phone call and say this person can give you exactly what you need but at least I know what you're talking about I think you can go too far in the opposite direction too though you can get a team manager that's come from a you know a super technical background and they get too involved very common in IT too right yeah yeah. they try and jump into the projects and do the work and tell the team how to do the work and offer their opinions on approaches and things I think those people are getting too um, lost in the detail and then they lose sight of what their actual job is that's the sort of team I took over and what happened was my DBCs at that time, they forgot to think of their own, on their own and troubleshoot on their own because they'd only got their previous manager's way of doing things. They were always told how to do a project, how to do a piece of work um, and it was quite sad. So to empower them and to give them the confidence that they do actually have the skills and they need to uh, was amazing to watch them come out of their shells. So this is your management style in a way. So not not micromanaging. I mean, people in IT usually despise the micromanaging, but you have to be able to find a right balance. Like what is the right balance for 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 your opinion, both Miriam and Shara? Like how, how often do you touch base with each individual member? At least once a week for my um, DBCs, my LDC probably every couple of days, if not daily. Um, I have a team manager's assistance as well. We pretty much touch base every day. Um, Project managers and stuff, most days, um, you know, we're covering a lot of clients, so a lot can happen in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, The team operates through, through the night, through the week. I need to know pretty much everything that's going on. Not at the technical level, though. Is it a challenge, the fact that we have to operate follow the sun? Yes and no. Uh, it does. For me, it can get become my focus, uh, so it becomes my priority. When uh, So I don't necessarily have work-life balance as well as, say, Shara does. Um, I need to work on that myself, and that's probably because I'm – even though I'm not a micromanager, I'm a little bit of a control freak. I don't like not knowing what's going on because I know that my key thing I need to do is protect my team, but I also need to inform project managers before they find out and kick if something goes wrong. So, yeah, I feel like I'm I'm always watching. Do you feel that's true, Cher? Are you less hands-on than Miriam or... Is that Miriam's perception of old Shara has changed over the years? Um, No, I'd say I'm not as hands-on as Miriam. I I know my team. I know that they know how to do their jobs. And, I mean, I have, you know, the usual weekly checkpoint calls with them, but we talk when we need to talk. Um, There's so many ways you can reach me, and they're not – you know, if they need to ask me something, they just reach out regardless of the time. Now, obviously, if it's one in the morning, I'm not going to respond until I wake up unless they page me or call me. But um, I I just let them do their thing. And if there's a problem, they let me know. Um, if they're not getting feedback or the responses they need from clients, they let me know and I pass it on to the project managers and I let the project managers deal with it. So, I guess I'm always on call. Obviously, I always have my phone, but I'm I'm not, you know, sitting in front of my computer 
you know, 15 hours a day um, fighting fires. And I guess that's that's probably the image I have of Miriam in my head. It's probably not reality, but that's <laughs> no, it, it's, it's the image not. I have. She's, she's so got even the fire hat is, on and the yeah. axe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do have a couple of uh, fairly volatile um, project managers, but I am my team is running a project um, that's been running now for over 12 months, and it's just slightly – a bit more um, hands-on with resourcing and stuff through the night. So pretty much just watch that. Okay. What about hiring? So obviously you guys have done a lot of hiring over the years, done a lot of interviewing. What type of advice do you give to people that are trying to break in the IT industry when they come in and, you know, they're just doing like a fit interview with the manager? Yeah, I'm looking for someone that's going to fit um, with the characteristics um, and the personality types and the cultures that are in my team more so than the technical. When they get to me, the technical, I've already been told that they're good at. Um, my, I am um, definitely trying to make sure that I don't take a personality type that's going to cause friction because okay. uh, that will cause me more stress. That's hard to, to get from an interview though, right? Like you have to go, a lot of it, I find this too. I mean, I don't do as much interviewing anymore, but uh, when I when I did, I was doing a lot. I found that a lot of it is, you don't really have a chance to really explore that in an interview, but it kind of gives you like your gut feeling. Is I always trusted my gut in the interview. If I felt it's a good fit, or if I didn't feel if I good, it was a good fit, even though maybe I had a, hard time explaining why I still didn't want to move forward really right like you kind of can tell after doing so many interviews yeah. Yeah. you do I, I generally um, ask about hobbies and um, outside personal life activities it starts to give me a good picture of what their priorities are in life um, if they tell me that all that that after hours, you know, they are YouTubing technology and they can tell me about that sort of stuff. I know that I've got a dedicated worker that's something that, that is looking at a career versus a job. There's all sorts of um, little flags that you can pick up. I don't know about you, Shara. You've been doing it a little bit longer than me. I, I, guess, I guess one of the biggest things I'm looking for when I hire someone is someone that can be self-sufficient. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want someone that I need to, I mean, obviously when you're training someone, you need to give them a lot of attention, but once they're trained, you don't want someone that you have to hold their hands. Um, so I guess I ask a lot of questions that will try and give me an idea whether they, whether they know how to find work, know how to, um, you know, suggest project ideas or how to improve client systems. Um, and in the process of asking them questions, um, you know, I try and let it open up into just general conversation. And if the conversation flows and they're really happy to talk and, um, you know, there's not lots of awkward silences, you kind of start to understand over the course of the interview what kind of relationship you're going to have with them. Mm. Um, and I find sometimes I'm in an interview with someone and an hour has gone by and I haven't even asked like half my questions. Yeah. I already know that That's that person's going to be, yeah. And yeah. I already know once they, they've got to the stage where I'm interviewing them, that they're technically sound. 
to worry about their personality, how they're going to fit in with the team and how they work and how they've worked in previous jobs is a good indication of that as well. Is it a challenge nowadays to, I mean, obviously the whole industry has moved into a work from home model, which I thought, you know, it's kind of funny because the three of us here, we've been working from home for like a long time way before, right? Yeah, it's like when uh, the beginning of the pandemic, you know, they had those so those memes that said like I didn't realize that people called my lifestyle quarantine. So that's, that's pretty much like <laughs> yeah. how, how we've been a Pythian for a long time. Do you find that it's it's a challenge? Would you if if possible, I mean obviously we can't operate in an office because of what Pythian does, but if possible, would you rather have everybody just physically always the same space? Do you think it makes a difference anymore for with, you know, in the terms of at least in the IT industry, like what's your opinion on, you know, work from home and does it affect or not? Can you work yourself around it? Would you go back to physical? Like what, what do you guys feel at this I'd, point? I'd never want to go back to going to a physical office, commuting every day. I mean, initially when I started doing it, if I can remember all the way back then, um, I kind of missed the whole standing around and just chatting to people. Um, I did, I felt like I was missing that, but now I don't feel like I'm missing that because I feel like I'm constantly chatting to people about their lives and what they've been up to on the weekend and the weather. Um, people think you don't get that when you're working remotely, but you definitely do. Um, so I don't think I'd ever want to go back to commuting that. Do you think you're losing anything by being at home though, instead of in the same physical space as no. your team? I think they're all way more productive as well. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say productivity is way better for me especially. But I guess from my side of things, um, I absolutely love working from home and I wouldn't, I'm like, sure, I wouldn't do it um, any other way. Now, I guess as a DBC though, sometimes having that opportunity to get into a room to, um, you know, for development or really brainstorming and troubleshooting, it's a little bit easier um however as technology has progressed as we've got better and more comfortable with it um i don't i don't notice the difference i know that a lot of my friends always ask you know they always worry about me being isolated and not having much human contact Mm. and i say what do you mean i travel the world every day you know i'm talking to nepal i'm talking to canada america um murchison um, because i have a dba (laughs) there it's like you miss out. I have all these people in my life. You haven't got a clue. Um, and I've got my dogs right beside me and I couldn't think of anything better. Yeah, that's true. People do think that it's like, you're so isolated because you work from home, but yeah, I mean, we do talk quite a bit and there's a lot of collaboration tools nowadays, obviously like we use Slack, for example, other people use other things too. Right. I'll tell you one thing I think is better uh, in person is training someone. You can't beat sitting yeah, next okay. to someone, showing them something step by step. Yeah, training is, is a challenge definitely to do a remote. It's completely from scratch, yeah, that's that's difficult. It's difficult, yeah. but I mean, I think we've managed. We've definitely hired over the pandemic and just with the tooling that we have nowadays, obviously, like just the ability to jump on a call quickly, do like a hangout or a Zoom call, uh, be able to collaborate, work through Slack. I mean, it is challenging, but at least it's doable, right? We have the tools to make it happen if if we have to, right? Part mm-hmm. of uh, 
the um, I mean, I know, for example, part of the onboarding at Pythian was to actually onboard in person for a long time, pre-pandemic, right? And then once we felt that that person was comfortable, then we would send them to work from home to, you know, continue fulfilling the follow of the sun model from wherever their geography was, right? Yeah. That's cool. All right. Now, what about once you have your team in place? So, you know, we, we obviously do services industry. We, are, uh, we do sometimes outsourcing. We sometimes do other projects. We do uh, follow the sun. So we have to uh, deal with people that are all around the world. Do you ever find that you have some difficulties because of cultural differences? Like you have people from, you know, uh, India. We have people from Brazil. We have people in North America. We have people in Eastern Europe. Have you ever run into that and had to like adopt your manager style differently? Or do you think, you know, the, the core, um, you know, human traits are always the same and you pretty much just manage everybody the same? I don't think the cultural differences has really changed how I manage people. It okay. adds a few challenges. Um, you know, I've had team members that um, don't traditionally work during certain hours of the day. Um, but you know, m most of the time it's about setting expectations when you hire them, you okay. know, uh, they understand the, this is their shift to work from this time to this time. Are they prepared to do that? Are they comfortable with that? Um, and I mean, outside of that, some uh, people are a little quieter than other people. Um, but that's, you know, doesn't stop them from doing their job. It doesn't stop me from getting the information I need from them or, um, you know, having, a normal one-to-one -one conversation with them. They might just be a little quieter on team meetings. Um, and the longer they're in the team, the more engaged they get. Um, I, yeah, outside of that, I don't really think the cultural differences really impact how I manage or how the team operates. I don't yeah. know how you find it, Miriam. I'm exactly like you, Shara, but I think a lot of it comes down to our personality types where, you know, mm -hmm. you've traveled the world, you like going to different places and meeting new people. Uh, for me, I find it intriguing and interesting. Um, we're of, I guess, an age group, even though I'm getting up there now, um, where being different is or is actually exciting or not a big deal. Um, we have so much diversity. Pythian encourages diversity, whether it be um, where you know, everything. Um, I always loved the fact that the new building had a gender neutral um, bathroom facility. It just demonstrates that that it accommodates everyone. And I think that our personalities and our management styles actually reflect that way. Um, and it feeds through the team um, that I don't have any, even though my cultural differences and religions and all those sort of things are very different. Um, everybody gets on incredibly well. Um, and we cover age groups from 25 to 67. So, you know, no. No problems. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned age because our age never even registers in my head. I just see all my team members mm -hmm. the same age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you can everyone's I, in I, their twenties. Yeah, <laughs> they're not though. I mean, you obviously <laughs> are too, Shara, right? Of course. <laughs> oh, hands down. Uh, uh, we only work it out when someone makes some sort of comment about them being in an oracle for thirty years, and you kind of do, do the math, and you think. Hang on a minute. 
<laughs> and that they had a full-on military career beforehand. It's like, whoa. Um, or then you've got somebody that's, you know, about to have a baby or you've got someone that's getting married like we've got just coming up and, you know, they're they're in their early 20s. Um, that's when you stop and you think, wow, you know, we've got this so, you know, not just, it's so diverse. Like if you put us all in the room, you would not think we had so much in common because you wouldn't, we're all so different. Men, women, Indian, um, Nepali, Kiwi, <laughs> with a cranky, mm. interesting surname. Um, yeah, it doesn't, but I manage them all the same. I'm probably more aware of um, some religious uh, differences, and so I'm respectful, um, but you give what you get. Okay. It, may, it makes it makes me think about the um the gender diversity across across the teams as well because you and I, Miriam, have have probably more women in our teams than any of the teams. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh. curious to actually chat to one of the one of the guys that I'm managing and 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 ask them why don't you have any women in your teams? Yeah. Um. I know that in the Oracle side of things that they're actively trying to um hire women. Because they're all men. And, of course, when I started in the industry, I was the first uh, in a DBA in the other company that was a woman. And I sat in amongst the men. And that was normal the way it was. And I work really well with men and not so well with, with females. Um, but all of a sudden, when I was hiring, I found I turned around and went, hang on a minute, I've just hired three, four women back to back. And I couldn't mm. work out why. Um, because I'd normally... Um, hired all men and or being yeah. working with men um i don't because know majority but, of our applicants are men so yeah it's, yeah it's just a matter of the the hiring pool as well right it's it's, it's heavily tilted yeah. to be more men but i know for sure we're making it's it's improved quite a bit actually that leads me to another question do you either one of you, you guys actually would like to hear both of your opinions do you feel like you've ever had a challenge with uh some of the people that work under you because you were women or you feel like yeah. you know, that definitely okay, you guys let me finish. so yeah I mean, you're both of you immediately go like, definitely yeah. <laughs> yeah i have yeah I, and actually that is a cultural thing i think um it's i think it's much better now but you know probably eight years ago now and um i i hired someone and he was not used to I don't think he'd ever had a woman that was a manager before. Mm. And, um, you know, he wasn't disrespectful or rude. It was just something that he had to learn. Mm. Um, and, you know, we figured it out, you know, once we had a conversation about it. Um, but mm. I've, I've had a woman before too that had never had a woman manager as well. And mm. it wasn't, wasn't um, part of her culture to have. They were just always men. And she was so quiet and reserved. And, um that one was challenging to work through. Okay. Because she couldn't. Me, was it? No, no. But she couldn't really uh, outright change the way she worked because, you know, down the track, if she was not working with Pythian, she would go back to working under a man again and she couldn't have this, you know, um, outgoing, speak your mind personality when she went back to, um, you know, some of the jobs she had in the past. So yeah, that was a tricky, tricky one to navigate. Okay. Yeah, my experience was um, I had uh, fairly strong uh, men in my team that had um, a European background, and 
he was quite happy to have a, a woman as a manager until that woman told him no. Um, and then all heck broke loose. Uh, he wasn't used to a woman, a strong woman um, and someone who actually was confident and able to say and mean, you know, respectfully, I'm sorry, but no, you can't mm-hmm. do this or you can't have that. And that did not go down well. That got escalated and, um, you know, he kept trying to have my decision overridden, but yeah, it's that was that was really difficult. Um, he couldn't live with it and, and left. Um, and again, I've also had another um, individual that um, couldn't deal with um, a strong um, woman manager, and they were a um, it was a cultural difference again. And they were meek and mild, and just yeah, requested to be <laughs> moved to somebody a little bit more um, gentle. Which makes that's, me sound horrible, but I'm not. No, no, it's okay. I mean, yeah. you, you you have to do what's best for the team at the end of the day. And it's a challenge in, in what we're talking about, right? Like high-performance IT, you always have certain personalities that they mm-hmm. might be great technically. Probably the three of us have met this person over the many years. Somebody that is great technically, but maybe they don't get along that well with other people or they don't take criticism well or they don't mm-hmm. uh, communicate well with clients or the things that to them seems obvious. It's like almost like, you know, why would I actually verbalize that to everybody else? Is everybody else dumb kind of thing, right? And you have to mm-hmm. really manage these types because you might still need them to actually crack the technical work, but they can produce other issues with, with some of these other angles, right? Yeah, that, those types of personalities are not suited to a team position, really. Not in a reliability team um, no. where we're communicating with clients. So front end, they wouldn't. You, if they were that technical, you may be able to have it as an IPC and keep them it's in like the back room under lock and key. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, and you then put a really well, com- a good communicator in with them. Um, I've had that in the past. Um, but yeah, generally, and in, in the structure, you know, maybe in a project team you could get away with it, but yeah, not in a reliability front of house kind of team. No, communication's key. Do you hire when you hire? I mean, obviously we do the technical, and we talked about you know some of the things that we look for when we hire. But once somebody has started and they have a few months in on the job. Do you have some things that you look for as the markers of good adoption or markers of success in the first few months to tell you that, yeah, I made a good choice or oops, you know, maybe this wasn't the best uh, move to bring this person okay. in on the okay, team. Like, what do you look I, for when once they start? Um, my think key thing is the communication with the team. If they have started to build relationships and uh, you know, engaging on Slack channels and we've got one behind the scenes that is only just, just us, there's nobody else in there, it's a locked room. And if they can, you know, they contribute um, some personal stuff about what they're doing at the weekend and they are, um, you know, congratulating somebody else, they're actually partaking. Um, that's that's really enormous because um, uh, because of their structure, the round the world thing. Um, I've also had a person that 
hardly said boo and that made them yeah they they didn't bond with the team very well mm-hmm. um the other thing i get is normally under the radar my ldc or the more senior people on the team will go wow you know the skills that we're unlocking and seeing and you know they've brought something new to the table that we haven't thought of something fresh um that can make me um get excited but also i've had the oh dear um they're quite sloppy um they're never around when we need them you know those are the ones that you kind of go uh-oh um and if it doesn't change by the the 90 days then yeah generally we we part ways because it it's a team it's a front line team we're a and e i guess i um I mean, I've never hired someone that I've had to let go within the first three months. I, th- I can only think of one person I've hired that did not end up being successful. But um, I generally, well, my team are heavily involved in training all my new people. Okay. So my new team member is is builds strong relationships with everyone in the team instantly. From, from That's a good point. Yeah, it has to be from, like a shared responsibility, right? Yeah. You know, everyone's assigned a topic to to teach that person. You know, one person might be teaching them everything to do with Avail. You know, one person might be teaching them everything to do with Jira. Um, and so they become ingrained with each other on a day-to-day basis, constantly chatting and asking questions and things like that. So everyone in the team gets a sense of what this person's going to be like, as well as me. And, um, you know, a, a good indicator to me on whether they're going to be successful is how early they pick up on call. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. how how uh, efficient they are and how well they do with the early projects I give them. Um, mm-hmm. And if I haven't got someone on my on-call rotation by, um, you know, sort of week six, um, then we, we have problems. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and sometimes there's delays with accounts and things like that because I definitely That's have some different. clients that won't get us accounts for months in some cases, but... Um, you know, we, we have ways to get around around that. Yeah, but in a normal uh, environment, then you're looking for somebody to start being somewhat productive. Productive, and, you yep. know, mid Mid of the second month, more or less. Absolutely. With One, taking on call, but yeah, but but I have I uh, most of the people I hire are taking on projects in the second week. Second so, week, okay. Um, I mean, nice. they can't that's grab a, on call because they don't good. have their account. But, yeah. Yeah. How so, do you balance? How do you balance? the necessity of people to follow, you know, in some way to follow run books and standards with also giving them some freedom to like innovate and try to be creative. I, I also found that always a challenge for me when I was managing an actual team. It was like, how much do I let people just create versus just like, here's the template, just follow the template and get it done like we always do. I feel like people are either one or the other. No, oh, I thought. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no, I, I used to call them cookie cutter DBAs, where they just expect each line. Um, I know that we've got some clients that want run books that are designed mm. that any service person could do it, but that's what they want. Um, yeah, that's what they want. Um, I've encouraged mine um, not to be that now, and that they always 
um, improving process, um, looking for ways to automate. And that's become um, doable because of the different skill sets in the team. You know, before we had someone that could actually live and breathe and understand um, Pythian's tool avail, you know, and we could actually say, well, I want it this. You can then see it on a client and they go, I, I get it, and then create it. And then, you know, the team then reviews it, then it goes off. Um, I try and push let's work smarter, not harder. Um, our paging when that mm-hmm. my new team um, was formed was really annoying. Nobody liked being back up to us. Now we hardly have any paging because um, I say fix it. And I'll go, how? And I go, I don't know. I'm not a DBA. You go fix it. Come up with an idea and we'll then pass it off to IPC and LP, LDC and see what if you've got, if you're on the right track. It doesn't matter if you don't know how. Just come up with Figure a wording plan and then Dilly can help you with scripting or Ash can help you with performance or, you know, um, it's a team effort. Bring the idea to the table, grow it. Um, and that's mainly because I guess I was able to rebuild um, the team that I took over and um, was fortunate enough to get some pretty talented and high-end skills in this team. Cool, cool. All right. And the last topic I want to touch on for today is how do you guys deal with just the insane amount of change and technology from like the last few years in IT? I mean, IT has always been like this, but ever since, you know, the cloud took off in terms of mainstream adoption, I probably say it's been like the past five years or so, 2016 from now. It's just the the pace of change is relentless, right? So how how do you mm-hmm. make sure that people stay up to date, but also at the same time, you know, they can't just be training forever, right? And some people need to be maybe even motivated to try to stay up to date. Like, how do you manage that whole, you know, keeping your team uh, on the edge of technology and, and productive, obviously, with what we have today? I get a bit frustrated about... Um keeping our people's skills finely tuned because I've got a bit of a, I guess, a hard-ass approach to it. I feel like you're hired to do a job (laughs) and you have that skill set required to do that job, but technology changes. Mm -hmm. Your job hasn't changed, but now you're required to use a certain technology. Well, I feel like the individual should be responsible for keeping their skills uh, up to date so that they continue to do their job. And I feel like at Pythian, we should um, not re-interview, but re-examine people's skill sets, uh, skill sets on an annual basis. And okay. if they aren't, if they aren't, uh, you know, still skilled enough to do their job, then you know we should invest in them. I, I still think we should invest in them, and we should give them the time to get up to up to speed. But there's no um, system in place to test that, and nobody seems to care. So uh, it bugs me because I want to be able to tell my people, you are no longer qualified to do your job. You have this much time and this much resource to get qualified. Um, If you're not able to do that, you know, we'll have to have a different discussion. But there's no um, process in place at the moment for me to be able to say that to people. Um, And nobody and nobody backs me. Nobody out. Everyone thinks that's too harsh. You can't expect people to effectively reapply for their jobs every year. Um, (laughs) That's interesting. But that's 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 very true, though. 
right? Like yeah, uh, yeah. To, to that point, like uh, how many people would want to be part of a team where you are basically re-interviewed every year? Yeah, that, I can see how that would produce quite a bit of friction. But on the other hand, I can also see necessity of making sure, not just telling people, hey, you know, you should know this, and then it goes by without yeah. accountability, right? That's the problem at the end is that there's mm -hmm. no accountability that you're keeping yourself up to date on the technology, yeah. right? Well, my, and it's not, yeah, my, okay, sorry. No, I was just going to say, it's not like I'm saying, you know, you've got to do it on your own time and out of your own pocket. Well, you know, we give you seed budget. We we give you director training, training hours, budget, but yeah. I need, yeah, I need you to be able to do this kind of stuff, to do your job. And, you know, I, I feel like that should just be a given. If, if these people were going out and applying for jobs somewhere else, they would be expected to know this stuff. So mm, um, I don't see why you you think you can get a job and just sit and not educate yourself for 10 years and still be expected to be qualified to do that job it makes no sense yeah no especially mm -hmm. not in it not and especially not in the type of it that we do right when we're talking yeah. about teams that have to provide services to other teams and we are escalation for other teams etc cetera, etc cetera, right yeah. Yeah. My thing is, um, I guess my first day in IT school or way back in those days was you were told that we had just joined um, a, a career, not a job, and that it will be forever changing. And we have just sentenced ourselves to a life of learning. Um, that's that's IT. And I think if you if you aren't a, a learner, and you have problems with exams or whatever, then get off the bus now. Um, I was terrible at sitting exams. By the time I'd finished my degree, I could do, I didn't even stress anymore. I'd sat that many. So now when I do updated skill sets, apart from cramming and the stress of sit, those sort of things, I don't, it's no longer an issue. Um, I have somebody that's in the over 60 that still sits several exams a year they just intentionally keep that ability of learning going and if you keep that going it's not as hard um my thing and my team we do it a, i guess slightly different way I, I could say that i'm as hard arsed as um shara is but um maybe a little bit more subtle i'm not too sure but i put it as an actual requirement that they maintain their certification that it's in there as a like a kpi um, to sit this exam. It's a, an agreed thing. Um, I know the career path intentions of everybody in my team, whether they want a job or a career, I know that as well. Um, because there, at some stage, you know, when you're getting into your 60s, um, you actually are just looking to tread water now until retirement. And, and that's okay. They have still got skills. They are still upskilling, but not as hard as they once did. There is a place for them. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I've pretty much got like able to wrap a performance issue around um, not keeping up with technology because it is moving so fast. And if they I've, can't keep up, then it's yeah, it's. I feel like there's, there's there's a place for certifications, but it's not, I, I feel like it's not even about that. Like. You know, I'm the same. I've got no. the same. Everyone in my team's got a KPI that says I've got to set a certain certification every year. Well, awesome. But if you can't put that in that theory into practical use, it's just going to go in one ear and out the other kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, and 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 it's a big endeavour to study and sit an exam and get a certification. Well, 
you know, I say flag that, just learn everything. You don't have to get certified in everything, but you need to understand it. You need to be able to put it into practice. Um, you know, set up your own lab environments and play around and learn and do all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I don't I don't want just everyone to have one one certification. I want everyone to know a little bit about everything and be able to talk knowledgeably about all the new um, technologies. And, you know, when a client comes to them with something random or left field, they're, oh, yeah, I read about this already, and they can speak about it. Um, mm. Even if they're not so, experts, at least they can exactly. talk about something oh, and then absolutely. go and dig deeper yeah. on their own, right? Self-learning is so, very, very critical. Yeah. So it becomes very hard to to have a plan tracking everyone's skill sets and where they're planning to go this sort of stuff when there's just the the technology scope is so vast now i i guess the thing is slightly different i don't know whether it's different in oracle to, to sql but of course we're doing a lot of uh, oracle off oracle migrations so i know that there's several in my team that you know may say that they want to learn uh, MySQL or Postgres or something like that. And that's what they're doing so that when those kind of client questions come up and say, well, we're looking at Postgres, they'll go, well, actually, you know, and they're able to. So that's what I meant by, um, I guess, not necessarily a certificate, but they're always diversifying, thinking for options, um, but also sharing. Like when we have our meetings once a week, we, you know, if somebody's done Kerberos, they'll then do a little uh, presentation or um, a blog or something, and the team will review it and QA it. So that's how they're passing the knowledge along. Um, it's yeah, I guess the thing is with IT generally, we don't have jobs; we have careers, and you're passionate about it until you're not. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, even with me, that's I'm, that's I'm like what you were saying. You get to that I'm stage where you're not passionate anymore, and you just then, become a page of yeah. monkey. Then it doesn't matter um, what you what you do. You you just need to take stock and say, okay, maybe it's time to get off this bus. Um, yeah, or but, maybe they just know, want to switch I'm, to a different stack or a different role. Or yeah, I mean, burnout mm, does happen. It like, is a reality. Yeah, that's where Pythian's great. You know, it's able to let you change. Like, go and for me, I was getting sick and tired of being on call every week, every other weekend, and so I decided I wanted to be on call every day. Um, that was a joke. Um, and I became a manager because um, technology was starting to move faster than I could keep up with because I would was always just going to be, you know, a really good, solid, average DBA. I was never going to be the guru. I took up IT too late in life. Um, you were never going to be a warner. <laughs> I was never going to be a warner. Um, and, um, but the thing was, Shara could have been, but she decided to step sideways and go into management, which was a shock. Um but he says I'm not. Hey, eh? maybe I'm hiding my. Awesome oh, I know that you was a dream. But the thing is, I know that you have got the ability to pick it up at a drop of a hat until you're too old. <laughs> hey, I'm in my old. I'm in my twenties. I'm not too old. <laughs> <laughs> one more year. One more year. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you both so much for joining me. Talk about managing high-performance IT teams, all of the challenges and what we see in the industry. And everybody that is listening, I hope you got a good idea of a little bit of a glimpse of the life of a Pythian team lead manager and also some good uh, tips, tricks, value, and the thought process 
of these uh, veterans in their 20s of the field. All right. So um, until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Miriam. Thanks. Thanks. Awesome being here. Bye bye. Thanks, guys. Navigating the datascape. <laughs>